Welcome back to another episode of Consciously Clueless, the podcast that teaches you how to live a healthier lifestyle that makes you and the planet happier. The world is changing quickly. Sometimes it feels like you can't keep up. I hear you. You want to make the world a better place. You care, but you don't know where to start. You know taking care of yourself is important, but how? I get it. I have a history of diving into a new endeavor, seeking perfection, and quickly feeling like I failed. Whether it was going vegan or learning how to recycle more, I wish I had guidance to keep me on track and not overwhelmed. I can't lie, the world needs your help, but it doesn't need you to be perfect. This podcast is here to help. Here we go. On today's episode, I talk to fellow coach and vegan podcaster, Michelle Olender. I'm glad to have you on the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Carly. <laughs> well, it's my absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. So I like asking people when I get them on the podcast, how are you feeling today? A little bit more conscious, a little bit more clueless, something in between. What does that mean to you today? Well, I'm a Gemini. I feel like it's always in between. <laughs> I'm always like, well, and on the other hand, but I, so I think Consci- consciousness is something I try to keep reorienting myself towards, but I find myself mm. typically clueless, but it's like that, that North star, you know, the, or what they say that, you know, the airline, the airline pilot is most of the time, 90% of the time he's off course, but he keeps tweaking it back or the, or the uh, autopilots on it, just move it back onto course for me trying to, keep in my head what I'm trying to be conscious about and what I'm trying to be conscientious about. It's a practice like, Mm -hmm. like yoga, like a Mm -hmm. spiritual practice, like, like practicing showing up as a good partner or a friend or community member. So no one's great at any of these things all the time. At least I'm not. And so it's just like that, that taking that minute to like, okay, where could I be a little bit more conscious? right now. I love that. It bringing that attention because sometimes we are so kind of out of body, right? Walking through the world, dealing with the things that we have to deal with and not totally tuned in. And then it's like all of a sudden, sometimes when you've been ignoring that, your body, your soul, your mind is like screaming at you to pay or, attention. Exactly. Or someone in your life or someone who feels very neglected or someone you know, I, I have, I have a brother, I have friends, I have classmates from college, you know, 40 years in the past. And every once in a while, there's just like this, like, hello. Yeah, <laughs> so totally. From the universe, as well as from a human being that would like you to reorient your, your focus a little bit. I love that example with the pilot too. I love a visual And that's such a good visual of, well, there's just, there's just always a bit of a redirect. Because there's, there's wind, there's, you know, there's jet stream, there's things they're trying to avoid, I guess, up up there at 35,000 square feet or 35,000 feet, not square feet. So there's all, and my kids all learn to sail. And and for me, sailing is always such a beautiful metaphor for Mm. everything because there's no, no, the conditions on the water are never the same two days in a row ever. So you have the wind, you have the current, you have whale waves, you have the heat and your ability, how, how dehydrated you are out there. And you have the tiller and you have a sail and you have to just keep kind of working with it. And sometimes you have an oar that you have to end up paddling because there's no wind whatsoever. So it's, but you, ultimately we all get where we're going. Right. Sometimes we have to ask for help. I like that as well too, right? Because you're just constantly being reminded to push your focus back in that direction. Because it's like, as soon as you kind of lose the thread, I think that that has happened more for me in the past as I would be doing really well and being like, yep, I'm doing my habits. I'm on top of all my things that I know I'm doing. And as soon as you feel like you're doing well, you kind of like let it go a little bit. And... Mm -hmm that's the moment where you're like, oh, whoops, whoops, whoops. I need a redirect because I stopped paying attention. And, you know, Carly, I don't think from my perspective, I don't think we're supposed to get it all right. You know, I Mm -hmm. think we're supposed to be on a little bit, you know, roller coaster, maybe not, but we're supposed to be on a little bit of a, like a meandering path where, where we do take a few things for granted here and there. 
And then so that we can focus on something else that needs doing, but then we have to, you know, reorient back and double back. And sometimes we have to jettison some things, some things we're carrying and taking care of. I know for me, that's something I feel at my point in life, I need to be very conscious of whether I want to take some things forward. Are there some within the privilege I have and the opportunities I have, there's still some stuff I've taken on for good reasons. And I have to always reevaluate. Do I want to keep doing that? You know, my mom told me before I got married years ago, my mom said, don't iron. You don't plan on ironing. (laughs) 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 And I think she meant ironing. I really do think she meant ironing. (laughs) I think it was, (laughs) I think it was good advice to think about Anything you start your relationship doing, which kind of you're you're creating the the baseline, right? right? And so don't iron and iron and iron and then just go. I don't want to iron anymore. I, why why do you expect me to iron? Because you did. You ironed. You. <laughs> yeah. So I think, and I think that there are times when you can say, "Listen," whether it's ironing or whether it's you know helping out in certain areas that you've you've done to be a good sport but you don't really want to do anymore and you don't you think maybe that's the other person's job to figure that part out now or maybe it's just things that I thought were important I used to think it was really important for me to figure out like my look my 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 grooming and my clothing and my Mm -hmm. you know I used to think that was really important and it used to be very kind of hard on myself thinking I've never really figured that out and I just really don't care anymore. I, I realized that the reason that's been a struggle is it's just not ever going to be on the top part of my interests. That's, I had that kind of realization. I love to put a cute thrifted outfit together and do that kind of stuff. I never really loved doing, like I did it, but never doing like lots of hair and makeup growing up. But that was very much the norm, of course. And it was the early 2000s. So everyone was, straightening their hair to all get out, which I lucked out on that one. This is just what it does. But I remember having this weird kind of like, do I have to like this? But I didn't really allow myself to even ask that question until mid-college. And it's not because this person said, I don't want to see you wake up unless you're beautiful. But I remember when I was early college, the person I was dating, I remember being so self-conscious of just how I wake up in the morning that I would sneak out of bed and go fix my face and then get back into bed. And I, I'm friends with this person that's an ex from way years ago. And I told him that a couple of years ago and he was like, what? I was like, yeah, I, it wasn't you, it wasn't your fault, but that's how deeply that stuff is. And when you learn that that's really fun for some people and it doesn't have to be fun for you, man, is that a freeing experience? Yeah. And at a different time. So if you enjoyed it, that would be great. Like if you were yeah. just like that, you woke up and you're like, okay. Bingo, I'm going to brush my teeth and I'm going to be fresh and cute and blushy and bronzy and <laughs> whatever else it is. That would be so fun. You should be able to totally. do it. Yeah. Totally. But I was like, this isn't, this isn't fun. I don't, I don't want to do this. It's just, it, you know, and it's a small example and it's, it is a small, but, it's, but, but this is one of those things. I think that there are different, like there's, you know, there's the qu- quarter life crisis and there's the midlife crisis. And, you know, I think there at different times there are things that it's not just what you're going for. It's what you're, what you're willing to leave behind is, mm. is part of your thinking because otherwise you're dragging a lot forward yeah. and you just can't give everything your attention. And it's harder to move forward when you're dragging that much shit behind you. And sometimes the, sometimes, I mean, very often, I think women, especially older women were socialized to, try and tiptoe around everybody's different moods and what they need and be the caregiver and be the volunteer and the nurturing community member and carpool parent and soccer coach. We're trying to do so many things. And, you know, it's good. It's not a bad thing, but not not everybody even is noticing how much you're putting into it. And I remember as a younger mom also realizing that I was pretty extended and I pra- I would like practice in the mirror or in the shower going, yeah, no, I won't be able to do that. 
<laughs> just to say, no, I won't be able to do that because people would say, oh, can you be a volunteer on this? Or could you pick up my kid after school while we're away? Or, you know, and I would just have to practice so that, that those words came out of my mouth a little bit mm -hmm. more naturally because my kind of default instinct was like, no, you know, if you can, you should say yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Those boundaries learning about boundaries. I mean, it's so cliche and everyone on TikTok and whatever else is talking about boundaries, but honestly, that is such an important thing to learn. What are your own boundaries? Whether it's, you know, volunteering in the community, in a relationship, those things are so crucial to keep yourself safe and ha happy in any relationship. Yeah. And we don't want to have our relationships, you know, polluted by a lot of resentment and that sort of thing. Like, I don't want to resent somebody I'm trying to help or do or somebody I wanted to help. I don't want to resent them. And I really don't want them doing the same thing to me. My mom and I, my mom and I, when we were young, when I was young, I didn't have like the most warm, fuzzy relationship with my mother. My mother and I became really very close, good friends later on in life. And I always think what a gift that I was able to, you know, have that time so that it came to that point. But she always would say, oh, Michelle, you can always count on Michelle to just tell you the truth. And I remember when she said that, I was like, oh, wow, I didn't even know that that was something I'd be so glad she appreciates about me. And oh, I, wow. I tell, I tell my kids, my adult kids, and I have they're all three of my kids are married. I want them to tell me the truth. I don't want them going along with something because they don't know how to say no, Michelle. I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> say it, just say it, just say it. Yeah. And what a beautiful thing to give to your children and in, in the relationship you have with them now too. That's such a beautiful permission too. Well, I hope. I mean, I'm sure at some point it'll come and bite me and they'll say something I really don't want to hear. <laughs> You're like, just kidding. That's too far. <laughs> when they I were like, it back. when they were teenagers, I remember telling them, listen, someday you're going to have to tell me something you really don't want to tell me. And I want you to say, if it's really, I want you to say, mom, you're going to get really mad. But so that would like, give me, don't, don't blindside me. Give me that one <laughs> second to like, steal myself <laughs> here we go <laughs> and I'll say yes of course it's okay if I'm mad that's fine but there are right. things that it doesn't matter I can be mad and we can still be glad we had the conversation yes gosh what an important lesson so we connected first because I was on your podcast veg your best which listeners should go check that out it has been really fun to go back through and I wanted to, after chatting with you, wanted to talk about your vegan journey and talk about your coaching. So let's, let's dive into some of that. What is your vegan story? How did, how did you get to veg your best? My vegan story is in my fifties, my youngest was vegan for a while. And I remember being half supportive and half irritated. <laughs> Yep, and, that sounds right. And me, and, and with a frisson of, oh my gosh, is that even healthy for you? Because she was yeah. still in, she was still like, I think she was still in high school, and she, definitely in the early early years of college, she was still in high school still. And I didn't feel like she ate enough vegetables to be vegan. You know, I didn't mm -hmm. feel like she would had all that food coming in. So anyway, I tried to be at my at my level of consciousness then. Mm -hmm. I tried to be supportive. I tried to be helpful. And I started trying to learn how would she, what, like, if I'm, if we'd go out to eat, I think, how would she order here? What do I want? So anyway, this is always how I go. I try to figure out what is it I think before I give somebody else a hard time. So we mm -hmm. would go out to dinner and I'd say, okay, if I, what would I want from Olivia here? I would want her to order this side and ask for that. And so I started to do that. I started at restaurants with my husband, even before I even really thought that much about it. I said, I would order as I would hope my daughter would be able to order. And if a restaurant gave me a hard time, I'd say, well, you know, I have a, I have a vegan daughter. Am I not going to bring her here if, if you can't make that? So I started to like be an advocate for the 
eating side of veganism before I really personalized it for me. I just have to pause because I love this. Like, it's such a beautifully classic mom moment to be like, okay, my, my kid is doing this thing. And this is what we hope, right? A hope of, and I got to figure this out. Is she going to survive? Okay, let me see if I can do this. Well, are they not going to feed her? You're not going to feed my daughter? Like, I just love that that's the place you started. It's so beautiful. Well, it was exactly, it, it is exactly what happened. And my husband didn't want to do it for himself, but he, he was, I think, very indulgent. Like, no, Michelle is, you know, bringing this restaurant all the staff are coming out and explaining why they can't do it that way. <laughs> so anyway, it gave me the power to go through it. And the other thing I started to do was I started to listen to podcasts about veganism. And this is, so that's fast forward. That's where I became a podcaster is back then, because I thought it was the most valuable information that I got was listening to a bunch of different podcasters talking about how they individually went through this. The issue was most of them were men. Most of them were really athletes. Now my daughter was a squash player and, but I started to think, okay, well, if, you know, an ultra endurance athlete seems to be able to get enough protein, I guess Olivia can play, <laughs> can play, <laughs> can play college squash. I don't know. I mean, I was thinking like that. So that kind of put my put myself a little bit more like, I guess it's possible. It still needs to be done carefully. It's still not going to be simple, but it can be done. And in the long run, each of those kind of practices of looking into it, asking for it, advocating, researching when it wasn't even me, when it was for someone else, I started to think, oh, well, I could just, this is actually pretty manageable. This is pretty doable. And it's why fast forward for Veg Your Best, I think what keeps people from making the decision earlier and more frequently to go vegan or to get close to a vegan lifestyle is they just can't imagine how it's going to work. They just can't yeah. visualize the process. Yeah. And so you decided then for still for health reasons was that primary focus at that point would you say or had anything other dominoes I, toppled yet oh yeah I think there were more dominoes than health I think health I I didn't really have any health concerns so I wasn't particularly worried about that I was worried about my daughter not fueling herself well enough right I didn't feel like I was going to have that that level of problem fueling myself I started to just think we hear by osmosis why other people had made their decisions. The climate and the environment mattered a lot. It means that seemed very obvious that very quickly that that was something you're actually no longer contributing to. Right. And, and then the issue of animals, I could see how I had, because I was very socialized to eat what's on your plate, just eat it and be glad you have it. <laughs> my parents, mm -hmm. my, my mom grew up poor in the depression. My dad was a refugee in the second world war, you wow. know, homeless child. So, I mean, the idea of food in my family was, a, was very much like, I mean, we didn't, we didn't suffer with food, but it was like, no, you just eat it. You'd so, be grateful. Be grateful. Yeah. Because we knew, I knew all these people I knew really well did not have adequate food as young people. So, so how should you even question anything when you're just supposed to be like, well, at least I have food. My parents yeah, didn't. Exactly. And it was so it was just very much disconnected with the idea of an industrial animal agricultural system, completely disconnected. But with every time I chose not to eat animal products, I found it a little bit more, I'd say simple. I just found it a little more accessible to think, well, I would never choose to watch the light go out of the eyes of an animal. I would never choose that. Mm -hmm. And if it's going to keep my child alive, that would be a choice. But if it's mm -hmm. not necessary, why, why have I gotten so comfortable choosing that? Or letting right. somebody else choose that. So, and that's another thing with my work. I think when I don't really don't believe there are too many people who want 
an animal to die for their a food, a, for, especially for food that they won't remember, that they're not, that's not keeping them alive, that's just mm -hmm. unconsciously consumed. Mm -hmm. So, and I think sometimes we just need that space in the synapses between our decision-making and the consequences of those decisions. We just need a little space. And most of us are busy, busy, busy with a lot of other things and people and interactions and bills and crises that we just don't give ourselves that space. I think that that is such a big thing that I'm sure we've both heard is this idea of time, that there is not enough time to, like you said, if you can't even imagine this being a reality for your life, you certainly can't imagine having the time to do it. And so once you kind of started learning about this for your daughter and then ultimately going, maybe I could do this, did how long was that? Did you kind of take your time in that journey? Or? I would say it. I was, I, I've called myself, I was an excuse, a practicing excusitarian. I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was vegan, plant-based. Plant-based was not a term at that point that I recall having heard. I feel like that's a little mm. bit more recent term, but I considered it, I was vegan in those choices in, in food, unless there was a real problem, less real issue. Like maybe I was visiting my mother at her assisted living mm -hmm. or something, and it was just impossible to get something. A coleslaw, I couldn't get coleslaw, but they didn't, have, they only had the one with the, you know, dairy in it or something like that, that kind of thing. So I was typically right. I was, but most of the time I was making those choices, but if the choice didn't seem very doable, I just looked the other way. That was my, my right. excusitarianism. And at some point, my husband wanted to, to see if, I mean, he had seen me making more and more of these choices and he knew I was moving in that direction. He was trying to lower his cholesterol. Doctor was saying, oh, you should try statins. Da, 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 da. So anyway, yeah. at that point, when he was moving in that direction, I said, listen, you know, I'm I'm just not going to eat animal products anymore. I just don't see any reason to. And it was sort of a sort of me being was sort of me being kind not not a model, more of a you make more of those choices and I will in solidarity not make any of those animal choices anymore. Again, I always call it hiding behind my family. I need somehow had to feel like it was going to help someone in my family mm -hmm. for me to make those choices or make those changes. Mm -hmm. And I think that is one thing that most of my, most of my clients are people, you know, 45 plus and older. It's one a lot of us have this train we're on with other people. Maybe we have kids or grandkids or family or older older people we're taking care of. And now we're like, oh, wait, I'm, am I changing all the rules? <laughs> I'm changing. Wait. There's no more eggs in the morning. There's no more milk on the cereal. There's no more. Am I just changing all the rules here? And it can feel really daunting because you don't think it's just your choice. Yeah, and I think that that, that space and that remembering that is crucial for a lot of things, not to, not to excuse people that are, that are doing bad things or whatever, but the longer you are socialized to think this is correct, X is correct, Y is correct, then the potentially, I think more time it takes to unravel and that I know I can forget that. I think it's easily forgotten, but it, there is something to that, you know, that it might be a different conversation with my 95 year old grandfather about gender <laughs> than it is with a peer. And it's not that he would never see that or whatever it is, but he's got 95 years to unravel of thinking a certain way. And that's a lot, you know? Yeah. So there, there is something to be said about the longer you have been doing these things and the longer you've thought that to be truth. Like if this food is good for me, that's what I know. I've known it. You know, those things are, can be really earth shattering. Dr. Melanie Joy talks about the three ends that, that animal products are natural, normal, and necessary. And I, of I for sure grew up thinking that, you know, yep. 
for sure. My mother thought milk was the perfect food. Now I had a lactose intolerance as a kid. I used to go to school. She'd make me drink a glass of milk before school, my poor mom. And I, I would just have awful tummy issues. I'm and sure. We, 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 went to, we went to my pediatrician. The pediatrician said, you really probably have a lactose intolerance issue, especially a glass of milk on an empty stomach you're probably, you know, that's probably it. And my mom just smiled and listened. She was a nurse and married to a doctor. And she, we walked out of there. And my mom went, that is such nonsense. <laughs> She's like, here's your milk. <laughs> here's your milk. Shut up and drink it. <laughs> yeah. Here's your milk. Right. Cause she's like, that's not what I know to be true my whole life. Yeah. So why would it be true right now? And, and when you have those reactions with people and when people are working with you because you're a coach, they're, you know, they're, they're willingly coming to you to make these changes. But when you have people have those responses of like, well, it's always been this way. Why, why now? What do you say? What are, what are your reactions? Well, I guess more often it's the people who come to me are getting that reaction from their partners or colleagues or parents or kids, you know, they're like, and in my opinion, not as a health professional, as long as you don't seem to have any actual physical thing that you're particularly worried about, just try it. Just right. try it. Just let's move in that direction. If you have, you know, this is the other thing that older people also have more likely to have developed some concepts of medicalization about their lives. They've started to think of themselves- as somehow, I think young people have it too, in some ways, in different ways. But I, I noticed that a lot of middle-aged women start to think of themselves as somehow broken hormonally and broken, uh. you know, physically. And there's a lot of things that, so in those cases, I'm always, always first thing you have to do is talk to your healthcare provider and ask them, is it a good time? Is it safe for you to start moving away from animal products? Because if you really have them and Sometimes you have to advocate for yourself with doctors. I think doctors are way more open in the last five to 10 years than they were earlier. I think mm -hmm. they're way more open to even my, even my, my husband's primary care practitioner. He told him the other day that he's, he's vegan till dinner and then he still eats fish and his, and he, he was expecting the doctor to go, well, that's not enough. He was like, oh, that's excellent. That's excellent. <laughs> yeah surprised. So that's amazing. So what's different, I think, is that at every point in your life, you have things that you are just practiced thinking you just and going vegan in your 40s or 50s or 60s, I think is such an a opportunity to say, Oh, you mean, I can have a slightly different life just by making different choices. Mm. What else? What else am I talking myself out of what else am I not advocating for in my life? What else, where else am I maybe less on the part of the acting as a solution and more acting in a way that's a problem? Yeah. We are, we're so interconnected. And I think older people very often are more connected in many ways than, than young people. We have, we have more of these relationships that we feel held together by. And so mm -hmm. that can be a great thing. It also can be a thing where no one's really that interested in you changing. Yeah, that is a really, really real thing. <laughs> I, I don't know how else to say that, but I, when I went vegan, I was dating someone who wasn't vegan, was willing to, if I was cooking was, you know, that was going to be what was being made and was fine with that as long as they were getting enough food kind of thing. But I think it became more, it became harder and harder for him to see that I was changing. And it's not that I was right or he was wrong or whatever it was, but I think that because we had been comfortable in this spot and one of us was going here and one of us wasn't, that became a lot of friction. And that doesn't just have to be veganism, of course, that can be change in relationships in a lot of ways. But when it's something that's central around food and you eat with your partner or your family three times a day, 
that's a big conversation to have with the people, at least in your household sometimes. It is. And it, there is a subtext that other people hear when you choose to change is that, well, then you must think I'm doing it They're wrong. They're wrong. Absolutely. And it puts yeah. people on the defense, even when it's not your intention. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's just what happens. People think, oh, you think what you're doing is right. So that means what, so in just ipso facto, you must think yeah. I'm doing it wrong. And that is really hard for people. And I, I think this is more where the idea of the angry vegan comes from is from people. I mean, there are angry vegans and there are vegans who are very not, not accepting. And I think it's one of the reasons why I love your work is because I feel like you, you, you bridge that space really nicely, mm -hmm. but I think people really do feel diminished, dismissed, condemned. And even if you've never said a word. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you navigate those conversations or those situations or what advice do you have for people that might be in that space? Well, I think if I don't have any opinions about what other people should do unless they're finding it a problem. And mm. then I would, because I think we all have to navig navigate it our own way. And the people around us all have different, different levels of uh, com comfort with all of it. But I would say if you're finding it hard, consider making sure you're owning it as your own practice. Mm -hmm. um, now, some people don't like that. They think, well, why should I just look the other way about atrocities of any other kind? And and there is a there is a obvious, excellent argument on that point that you should not be accepting behavior you think is immoral. On the other hand, if you've been in a situation where you recently were making the same decisions as the people around you, and especially if you're an older person, yes, you probably, if you're this is new in your 40s, 50s, or beyond, you have been making those same. In fact, I raised my kids eating animal products. So right. I... I've just felt that I I can't I can't speak for what other people should do in these right. relationships. And I think that the most powerful thing I can do as a vegan is live in a way that shows shows my values, live in a way that tries to make it easier for more people to do that. And you know, I have I have I I have a sense of that there is some hypocrisy in terms of what my belief is and what I accept. But I also think that this world is so not vegan currently that we need to, sh we need to kind of develop that level of veganism as the vegan next door and the vegan in your family and the somebody who's actually living in the life that you could be living and making right. those choices. We need to be visible, not separated. Right. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Yeah. It's not perfect. When... It's not perfect. I remember, I remember I was on a podcast, one of my first podcasts that I was on earlier in my, my coaching work. And they said, well, uh, how, how are you okay with your husband not being vegan? Mm. And I remember I was not prepared for the question. And I, I remember thinking, well, I mean, we've been married 30 plus years. I guess it was just wasn't on the list of things I I could expect for somebody else to have to do the same way. Never yeah. occurred to me. I know some people found my answer very unsatisfactory. I found it unsatisfactory too. I because I don't even know what to say. I know I know my my conscience. I have to live my in my life, not yeah. other people's. Well, and one thing I appreciate about the space that you have made and your podcast is that you're right. I noticed the same thing when I was diving into learning about veganism, I was listening to podcasts and a lot of it was uh, athletic men talking about nutrition and love that. That's a great, there's, there's a space for that, but it definitely felt very male. And now I, at that point was in my mid twenties. So I am not noticing that everyone else is younger like me because you know I'm in it but even just now I'm I'm realizing how there is like in anything an erasure of older people in by older probably past like 37 at this point on the internet and not only that but women and so I really appreciate that your intention is showing you know 
that women in their 50s can make these choices about their health and go vegan, even if that seems like something that's totally crazy? Well, I I like to think of it is there's nothing more powerful than a woman in her, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. I just think what yes. so many people tell me, you know, so many young people, you hear them say, well, you know, I I could be vegan, but my mom's against it. My What am I going to do when I go to my grandmother's? Like, what if grandma, what if I'm a babcha, not a grandma, I'm a babcha, but it's, the, it's Polish for, for grandma. So what if grandma is, is like all on board with your veganism? What if grandma is all on board with, even if she's not a perfect vegan, that she, that you're making those choices? What if she's proud of you for thinking about where the food mm. comes from and what that means for the climate? What if grandmother's really concerned about what life is going to be like for, I have a f almost four-year-old grandson and th three others, you know, behind him. I'm, I'm concerned about all these things, about the quality of the food, about the quality of the, the air and the, and the water. All these things, I think if grandma was on board and not this yeah. stereotypical, she won't, she's, you can't talk to her grandma for some reason, you know, how is it grandma's got to this reputation of being like stuck in the mud and we have to do everything the same way we did in 1921. I don't know where Honestly. that came from. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I am sorry. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of us that are very stuck in the mud, but I, my role is to try to encourage us to do it wrong because mm. a lot of, a lot of us are older. We, we're like, Oh really? Am I going to do this thing that my, you know, I'm going to be judged on for not being a hundred percent in alignment. I mean, I still, when I started going vegan, I did not deal with the wool in my closet. I did not deal with the leather of my shoes. I didn't deal with that. I still have kept, I'm basically out of wool. It's basically all been given away, but I still have a few leather things. They just I'm don't down get down to my last two pairs of wool socks, I think, that haven't worn out in the last however many years. Cause I'm like, I own them. I'm not going to waste them now. And that can be an unpopular opinion as well. It is. It is. And and that, and I think this is where we need to think for ourselves from our opened, you know, consci consciousness. We want to yeah. keep opening for it, but is it also, is it, is it conscious to just throw things away? Is it conscious to buy plastic? Is it con unless it's necessary? I mean, I, I, we just want it all. Everything is on the table for us to make intelligent decisions about. Yeah, I wish I would have had a little bit of guidance in the beginning of my kind of eco-friendly journey, vegan journey. It was all it all kind of cascaded around the same. I started looking into for health and then the environment and you know, it all quickly came in and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I have to change my entire life." And without having enough knowledge and and wanting to do it perfectly, like I saw on the internet, which is why I eventually started a podcast where you didn't have to be perfect. But at the time I threw away shit, I bought new stuff. I was like, here's my cute, aesthetically perfect mason jarred cabinet, which now, of course, I still have a bunch of them because I'm not going to get rid of them now. But I wasted so many things trying to be environmental. And because I was more attached to the image of it, than what it was actually doing. And I think that goes with veganism too, right? The image of it where it's like perfect and you're an activist on the street every day and, and bless the people that do that. But that's not everyone's lane. And you can't, I just, one of the first podcast interviews I ever did, this woman said, you can't be a perfect vegan in, a, in an unperfect world or you can't be perfect in an unperfect world. And I always come back to that because we you can't and that relieves some of the pressure yeah i mean i'm not an evangelical christian i'm not even a practicing christian but i always hear people talk about how that's how satan talks to you they that oh, satan God. is the one satan is the one telling you <laughs> oh you making that choice well that's not really that's not a hundred percent how you think that's not that's not a hundred percent what you do and i always think that that's exactly how our own brains 
try to protect us from change because change is biologically yeah. exhausting. Nobody, our bodies don't want us to change a lot of things. That's a lot to learn. So if I have to wait until I've got it all figured out, wait until I'm ready to get rid of everything, leather or wool, get rid of, you know, I, I have pillows that date from my my parents' marriage. I, I just read the other day, you should always, you have to get rid of pillows after like five years. I'm like, are you kidding me? Mine are like 50 years old. So Mine some are somewhere them. between five and 50. <laughs> <laughs> and some of them have feathers in them. And no. so I have not, I have not, I mean, I still have a couple thing, a couple down coats that, that pre-exist my, my, my going vegan. I haven't gotten rid of them. Other things, other things I have gotten rid of, like Uggs. I don't, I don't have Uggs yep. anymore. I can't deal with that. But anyway, so all these things, if, if the, if the devil told you, you couldn't, you can't do it until you do all of it. That, I mean, that to me, that's that kind of, you would know if you were seeing that in a movie or if you were seeing that and reading that in a book, that this was somehow like crazy to think that yep. way. But in our own lives, when we're, when we're dealing with the discomfort of change, discomfort of a new identity, trying on a new identity that is not, it's it's pretty obvious when you stop making animal choices, you know, eating animals and buying animal products. It's pretty obvious to people around us pretty quickly, even if you don't right. say anything, which I do recommend people not say much <laughs> in the beginning. Oh, interesting. Can you say more about that? If you were someone like myself who really doesn't want to be judged, was really thinking, oh my God, it's just another opportunity for me to do something wrong and be people make little comments about that sort of thing really bugged me in the early days of people just saying things about it. I run into people a lot who just like, even my daughter, I remember her thinking every once in a while, like my husband, if we would sit down at dinner at a, at a restaurant, my husband trying to be as effective and as helpful as possible would say to the waiter, listen, my daughter's vegan. What would you suggest? And she just didn't want to get into it. She didn't want to have the conversation with the waiter. She didn't want to be singled out. I think yeah. a lot of people feel that way until we learn some kind of vocabulary and some fluency about advocating for ourselves and, and actually learn what do I actually want? Sometimes you don't even know what you want in the early stages of being vegan. Right. Yeah, that's really good advice. Being able to, for me, it always comes back to your why, you know, why are you doing this? Whether it is for health, whether it was the animals, whether it was earth, whatever it is, when you have at least a one liner about, well, I'm doing this because that starts to feel a little bit more empowering, but it can feel tricky. And then it makes you question your own decision when you're trying on that identity if people question you and you don't necessarily have that confidence in it, you're like, well, should I be doing this? All these people are yeah. asking me questions. Yeah, no, I agree. I remember, you know, I, I like to travel a lot in Europe and we go to France and Italy fairly often. You know, I, it's I, I'm, I'm a frustrated art historian. I have my master's in art history <laughs> and my whole life is about like art history. So that so the way I deal with it is on vacation. And uh, my, 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 one of my oldest, dearest friends lives in Paris. And I was asking her to help me out, make sure that I was asking effectively when I would be in France, how would I explain myself if I'm getting one of these oh. faced waiters just looking at yep. me like I, I'm crazy. And she's, I remember her saying, well, you could just say that you have a dairy allergy. And I remember thinking, I don't though. <laughs> I don't. But that's not the truth. Yeah. And I was like, yes, that is probably not bad advice for a waiter right. who doesn't need to know anything, but might have been taught that he needs to be thoughtful about somebody with an allergies. Allergy. Yeah. But I remember it just made me like, ugh, not bad advice, but I don't feel like I want to say that. Because it probably didn't feel authentic. It didn't. And it, it made, now, have I ever said it? I don't know if I have. I've I've said I can't eat dairy. I've said things yeah. like that, which often, if other people say, "Oh, you can't have that," I'm like, mm, "Yes, I can. I just choose not to." Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm mm -hmm. on all sides of the issue. But words matter in terms of connecting you with 
your why, as you're saying. They they mm-hmm. matter in terms of connecting you with your boundaries and what and your your energy, I think. Yeah, yeah. That's really, really beautiful. What do you what advice do you have for people who are older than 37? or whatever age I threw out earlier, that are thinking about going vegan, have some of those concerns that you've mentioned about, you know, specifically women being these caretakers, being the ones everyone relies on and how how to navigate that. What What's some some simple advice without necessarily working with you, but yeah, what can you no, share? Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think the podcast is my way of like, nobody has to has to pay for the podcast. They can just listen. Same. It's a yeah. little bit of a little bit of encouragement, a little bit of reason, a little bit of inspiration about why maybe a plant-based or a vegan lifestyle is actually much more doable than you think. And if you're already vegan, there are all kinds of cool things that vegans are doing out in the world I want to share for with each other. But the, I think my advice is, and it's why I named it Veg Your Best, is to make the decisions that you can make if and see, because I think it does get so much easier once you realize that you don't have to make every decision today because you will learn so much about what's hard. I mean, when people say, oh, that was really hard, I didn't know what to do. And so I, I ended up ordering cheese on it or something. I would say, and they were like, you're probably mad. I'm like, of course I'm not mad. I, what would have made it possible to not order it? Like, why was that the easiest right. decision? That's going to show you so much. Was it because you didn't want to, like one time, so sometimes, you know, you, you're sitting at a, at a dinner and they bring you cheese and you said, no cheese. And I remember the last time that I was really tempted to just eat it with the cheese on it. I was had been vegan a long time, but there was something, it, something I didn't want to hijack the dinner. That's how I saw it in my head, was if I, we'd all been waiting, it would have been a slow dinner, everybody was starving, and they bring me mine, and there's cheese all over it, and I see it, and I just, my I'm like, and I felt a little bit of a panic, like, am I really going to, now nobody else is going to want to eat, nobody else is going to want to eat while, they send it back and everything. And luckily the, the, the server said, oh my gosh, that was a mistake. And she, and she just whisked it away. So I didn't even have to, mm-hmm. but I know, but these things are hard for people. They really yeah. are. I'm not, I'm not immune to it. Yeah. I think that that's also really good. And you do a really good job with this is, is reminding people of those moments that I think sometimes there's this perception. And again, a lot of it is just the idea of online living, but you know, so many people are just showing the highlights and how easy everything is. And there are moments that are going to be hard to pretend that they're not is lying. So let's prepare ourselves for them and talk about how to get through those moments. Absolutely. And the more you go through those, it's like, what's the word, you know, I have grandkids now and I remember people would say, oh, you traveled with your kids when they were little. And basically I'd say, well, you know, once someone has pooped through the diaper all the way up the back of the, you know, <laughs> then yep. that's, that happens. Right. And you don't, it, it's stink. It's terrible. It's not good. Nobody wants it, but yet we all get through it. Yeah. We learn. We, maybe we're more prepared the next time. Maybe we call ahead next time. Maybe we have something else on him. I mean, they're all things that we learn all the time with failure. And I think we, we, th- somehow think when we try a new, especially something about food, I think this diet mentality, Yes. what you do it right or you're wrong and you give up. So if if you just would stick with the things that you know are, you want, you want to eat more vegetables, you want to eat less animal products, you want to eat whatever, just stick with it. It will get so much easier. Yes. I love that. Sticking with what you want. What are you working towards? What are you pushing towards? That's really good advice. Yeah. We have to learn to advocate for ourselves. And if it's an area where you haven't been asking for things, you know, I used to get kind of bummed by people would say, oh, you're asking for all the vegan options. I mean, I get some of that once in a while from people and much less now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So my best advice is, is to be prepared to do it 
poorly, just like anything else you would do. You don't get like, you know, you don't get into a relationship when you know how to have a long-term 45-year relationship, right? You you get into a relationship because you're motivated to be to make some sort of a connection or a long-term mm. commitment to another human being, but that doesn't mean you're never going to goof it up. It doesn't mean you're ever going to, you know, it's a process of learning and it's a process of getting wiser when you can and asking forgiveness when you goofed. So it's a process and it's like anything else because you're not done with veganism. It's not like, oh, next week I'll be vegan. It's no, it, it's, it's three plus times a day. It's when you, it's when you shop, it's when you travel, it's all these things that you're trying to do. It's a practice. You cannot do it perfectly. It just cannot be done perfectly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love that permission to mess it up. And learn from it a little bit, you know, I mean, not make it a whole thing that like, okay, autopsy time, what, you know, postmortem, <laughs> what did I do wrong? When did I know it? But yeah. just like, what worked, what worked well, what didn't work well? Ooh, let's, let's avoid that when possible. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to share with listeners? Well, I just hope everybody will start a podcast, Carly, don't you? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I think everybody should start a podcast because there's so many different points of view and we're all sharing. And I love all the vegan and plant-based podcasts. I love the people just sharing how we can help each other as much as possible. And I've learned about a lot of people through yours. And I just am very grateful that, that you exist and that you're creating a space I think you're especially, you know, everybody has to visualize a change. And if the person they see that's vegan looks very, very different from them, mm -hmm. it's going to be a little bit harder. And I think you, mm -hmm. I think you have to collect a few vegans and vegetarians yeah. and plant-based people. You have to kind of collect them intellectually before you can make those choices. And you might collect them through celebrities or TikTok, you might collect, but there's all kinds of ways you kind of have to collect it so you can figure out how you're going to try it on. Yeah, that's so true. How it will look for you. Well, Thanks thank you so much for being on the podcast. This was so fun. Thank you. And I thank all the, all the Carly listeners, all the conscient, consciously clueless listeners <laughs> for listening to me. And, and on the, on the behalf of all your grandmothers and mothers, I want you to make good choices <laughs> and we support you. Even if sometimes we look at you and go, what are you doing? We love you. Mm, thank you for that. And thank you for the space that you're creating too. I'm so glad that we connected and I'm excited to see how we can continue to collaborate in the future. Me too. If you're hearing this message, you've listened to the entire episode of Consciously Clueless. And for that, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this new episode. And if you did, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or tag me and share in social media. Share this episode with others who may be interested in this topic. To get more resources, influence on topics covered, and bonus content, join the Consciously Clueless community over on Patreon at patreon.com slash consciouslycarly. And don't forget, if you need help living more consciously, let's work together. Email me today. See you next Wednesday for a new episode.